Hey folks, welcome to episode number 14 of the What the Futures podcast. I hope you're having an outstanding positive Friday. I uh, I got a I have a jam-packed show today. Of course, uh, every episode is brought to you by John Deere and a very happy happy birthday to Mr. John Deere born this week in 1804. Uh, I'm going to highlight uh, this week that John Deere at most dealerships, uh, they have what's called John Deere Connected Support. All right, there's an individual there uh, that is able to help you optimize your John Deere Operations Center. I know our farm has one. I know a lot of folks uh, that I chat with um, across the prairies have an individual as well. Uh, the cool thing about this is when you optimize your operation center, that plugs directly into Harvest Profit, which which is your farm management uh, cost and profit tracking software and of course for 2024 and 2025 uh, it's tough slugging out there folks i can't stress enough how powerful these tools are uh, there's going to be opportunities in the future there always is so know your numbers guys get your business plan down on uh, i was going to say on paper but uh, online in these programs uh, check out harvest profit at harvestprofit.com and uh, it's a great tool uh, to help you manage these uh, very interesting times. Uh, all right, just a quick nod uh, to Toby Keith. Uh, Toby passed away earlier this week, uh, so rest in peace. I, uh, I I like all music. Okay, I'm I'm all over the map. At one point in my younger days, I was kind of a DJ. Not not really a DJ. I played music at like high school dances, weddings. Uh, that's how that paid some of my bar tab in university. And uh, anyway, so I love music. Um, Toby Keith, there's a few uh, records he put out in my uh, college days uh, that uh, were certainly influ influential for me and songs like, um, uh, you know, I love this bar, uh, Red Solo Cup, just to name a few. And, and now in my, you know, as I approach 40 years old, uh, what's that song? I'm not as... Uh, not as young as I once was or something like that. Anyways, uh, you know, the bones hurt a little bit more and it's uh, uh, when you have a good fun weekend, it's a, a little bit longer to recover. So anyways, uh, Toby Keith was one of those good ones out there. Uh, positive moments of the week. Uh, my sister had a baby girl on Monday. So uh, everyone is healthy and home and uh, our extended family gets a little bit bigger. So uh, welcome to the world, little one. Uh, my second positive moment of the week also close to my heart is we did a half bathroom reno now for those that know me personally i am not a handyman my wife knows that now uh we've been married since 2010 um but i did do the tear out of the half bath and i did install the toilet back and the lights and stuff like that so you know i was in there but we tore it out, replaced everything within a week, and uh, definitely some heroic moments from me tearing out. Uh, you know, there's some there were some challenges, but we got it done, got everything installed again, painted. It looks great, and uh, that's my second positive moment. Uh, a few more housekeeping items here. I I want to do uh, a mailbag segment, or you know, send in a question. Uh, so you can fire your questions into Ryan at whatthefuturespodcast.ca. If, if you're just tuning in uh, for the first time here, um, I, I spent my career as a, a crop marketing advisor or analyst uh, 
basically helping farmers make better crop marketing decisions. And of course, as I'm recording, I'm multitasking because we're getting some uh, offers here on some grain for the farm. But anyways, um, so I spent my my career, you know, doing that. I was a grain buyer as well. Anyways, if you have any questions about any of the content or any questions in relation to uh, crop marketing or business, if I don't know the answer, I'm going to bring in a friend to, to ask it or to answer it as well. Uh, but if you do that, if you pose the question, uh, you'll get entered to uh, potentially win a trip for two to Nashville, Tennessee. This is the second stage of our contest. The first one you had to text in last month. Now we're going to get you to write a question. You can say, Ryan, this is anonymous. Whatever you want to do, put your name. doesn't matter to me. Um, but send fire in those questions. We're going to call it the mailbag segment brought to you by the folks at Pioneer Seeds uh, Agency, Tower Farms, Jacob and Becky Boychuk. And of course, that P516L sitting on the shelf behind me. That is the uh, canola seed that you could win in the month of February. So by asking a question, you potentially can win a bag of canola seed uh, and you get your name entered for this trip to Nashville, which we draw for later in March. All righty. Uh, so check that out. Uh, Chris Shanjo was our winner here in January, and uh, I believe it was Brad won in December. So the good times keep rolling at the What the Futures podcast. Of course, you can text in those questions as well to one 1889 And uh, I got one this morning, actually. I'm just going to attempt to read this. Uh, but this gentleman writes, Ryan, thoughts from the road. I wonder if some of the bullish canola sentiment from producers is wrapped up in some disbelief or unwillingness to go back to old market levels. I know that's partly my problem. There, there's a bit of a question in there, but what I responded with was uh, the five stages of grief. Okay. Now, uh, let's see if I can find. So five stages of grief are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Um, now how does this relate to canola? Well, it, it's an emotional market. Crop marketing is an emotional thing, right? So anyways, um, I, I think we're past denial. I think we've passed anger as well for most producers out there. We may be at bargaining right now. I think we're in that bargaining stage. If I had to take a guess at it, um, I don't think we've reached the depression level if, if we're going to use this you know in my weird example here i don't think we reached depression yet because we are all sitting here hoping for that spring weather rally okay and that's giving us that hope that hey it's february you know the highs of the markets aren't made in february or not normally um so we're holding on till spring we're holding on to this drought and um and you know if we get that weather market then life's good uh, take advantage of it. Uh, but if we don't, uh, if we make some lows into the spring, like we did last year, you got to remember folks, our low came in, uh, at the end of May there, if that were to happen this year, then that's where that maybe depression would come in and then acceptance throughout the summer, you know, maybe a weird example, but, uh, I thought about the five stages of grief. So thanks for firing in that question uh, on uh, the text messaging, uh, app, uh, this morning. I will respond, folks. I will do my best to respond within uh, the day. 
Uh, all right. Um, of course, you can follow our journey here across all social media channels. Appreciate comments, messages. Keep them coming. Uh, I've got three farmers that have expressed interest in joining the podcast roundtable, the Farmer Roundtable. Uh, one from Saskatchewan, a couple from Alberta. I am looking for a Manitoba farmer and someone in the peace country. So send me a message. Super easy and fun. Uh, a couple times this year, we'll get together and have some roundtable discussions. Uh, and lastly, I've got some public speaking events uh, coming up. And uh, if you want the What the Futures podcast out at your event, uh, send me a message and we can talk about that as well. All right. Uh, so we've got a hot topic here to, to cover today. It's going to be crop rankings. Uh, we got some ag headlines that I want to cover. Um, acreage numbers from FCC. Uh, some Donald Trump information, uh, crop price updates we'll get to. We'll eat our veggies. And then, of course, uh, we have a great guest today, Ryan, with Cows in Control. He's going to cover the cattle market. Make me look like a bit of a fool at times because I don't know enough about the cattle market. That's for sure. That's why we bring in these experts. Uh, but we're going to talk about bull sales, uh, among a few other things as well. So if you've got cattle, uh, hang in there. Uh, Ryan comes uh, in later into the show. Uh, and then I've got John here towards the end. John had some beautiful trucks that he was selling, uh, some beautiful peats. Uh, they sold, unfortunately, before we could uh, get this all sorted out. But he told me not to worry. There's more trucks coming. So he joins me at the end of the show to talk about that. And then, of course, uh, we'll talk about who else is coming up here in uh, in the future. So let's get after it, folks. That's like the longest intro of the podcast to date. Uh, so I wanted to talk about my my hot topic, which is crop rankings. Okay, now crop rankings, there's a couple ways to do this. And I like to do a crop ranking where I come up with my average prices for the year. And that one's kind of set in stone. I don't play with that one a whole bunch. I, I, I just leave it there because I want to reference how wrong I was at the end of the year. Uh, but I also keep one going where I get the updated bids, okay, at least going into spring. So I get the updated bids and I see what climbs in rankings, what drops in rankings, and what will influence uh, seeded acres, okay? And then once crop insurance values come out for Saskatchewan and Alberta, I'll create another one and see how insurance is going to influence acres across the prairie. So for this week, malt barley bids came out from a couple of your maltsters, okay? Now, these kind of set the trend uh, for the prairies. And we did see line company bids at, in some regions up to 650 for That's new crop malt. Um, but now we got the RAR bid came out at 675 Not going to light the world on fire, but yet when it goes comes to eating your veggies, my recommendation is to price some of that. And I'll tell you why later on. And then prairie malt followed up. I think they're still called Perry Malton Bigger. I'd have to double check, but they were at 650. Okay. So 675 in Alberta, 650 in Saskatchewan for malt. Now, I know what you're going to say. Well, Ryan, that's not that impressive. But when I go to my crop rankings and I type in those numbers, malt barley has now made itself made its way into that five spot out of roughly 15 crops. Now, I don't have lentils in here. Green lentils are by far going to be the number one crop uh, for many, right? All sorts of different green lentils will be. Red lentils, not as not as exciting. Um, so take that with a grain of salt. Because in my number one spot, I've got green peas right now. Again, I'm using the Edmonton region because it's so hard to do this across the prairie. So 
anyways, malt barley makes it to the five spot. Green pea values climb. And you, oh man, this should be in eating your veggies, I guess. But you guys have to do your homework out there because just in green peas, I saw an offer of $13 and an offer of $16 per bushel. $3 covers a lot of freight, a lot of freight. So you might be sitting here saying, well, geez, I got offered 13, Ryan, and I'm in Southern Saskatchewan. Well, for a couple bucks, we can get it to the six, well, not even a couple bucks, but we can get you to that 16 price point and uh, probably put another buck or a buck 50 into your pocket. So this is one example on green peas. You guys have to do your price discovery homework. And I know you do, um, but for new crop, take a look at what's out there because uh, it's a very fluid market. Now I did pull back my maple peas a little bit here because some of those prices have pulled back. So it's in my number two spot now uh, for, for crop rankings. Uh, green peas, again, just going back here, I'm talking about 700 bucks an acre of revenue. Uh, for margin, you might be looking at $400, $500 of margin there. If you're a green pea grower, you're getting offered these prices, secure the bag, folks. Price it. Take some of that action. All right. Uh, I've got maple peas in the number two spot. Uh, again, great uh, margins there. In the number three spot, I have lowered my oat price by 10 cents to $4.90. We're going to talk about acres in a second here. Um, I, I don't think I actually actually have to do that, but I did. And it's in the number three spot right now. It's my top cereal after uh, all seed for cam insurance expenses. I'm at 330 bucks an acre. So that pays the bills there as well. And uh, my yield number is very, very achievable. Uh, from there in the number four spot, uh, I actually have yellow peas making a gain here. I did raise prices by 25 cents. Uh, so there's some good profit sitting there in yellow peas. And then in that number five spot, again, was malt barley. After that, we go and dabble into the canolas. I've got some specialty canola in there using current bids. I've got uh, regular canola in the number eight spot. Um, and if we want to take a look, flax has climbed all the way up to that number seven spot. And all these crops so far pay the bills, okay? They pay the bills. They make the equipment payments. Uh, everything is good uh, in the Edmonton region. Uh, after that, if I go down to number nine, now we're getting into the wheats and between soft white, CPS red, hard red, there's not a lot of change. Um, I just encourage if you're a CPS grower, uh, CPS red versus hard red, take take a look at those numbers because hard red is certainly the one that's uh, a little bit better opportunity and uh, those acres should potentially switch into hard red spring wheat so take a look at that for yourself though but then wheats are we're a little bit underwater we're we're losing a little bit of money there especially low protein wheat uh, falls towards that number 14 spot so that's the latest crop rankings folks they evolve and change at at all times uh, i encourage you to do them for your farm as well and uh, to check them out there uh, all right um let's see here what do we have next so i wanted i have a couple i have a couple of headlines here for today um so let's get to our, our ag headlines. I know I'm not your news source, um, but let's talk about a couple stories here that caught my eye. All right, so first one for today, I've got uh, FCC put out um, some acreage uh, projections here. And I, I just want to highlight a, a couple significant ones because 
it's like throwing darts folks everyone's got wild guesses but that's why when we get to the stats can report and the usda reports you can get some wild market moves so here's some some cool ones um from fcc that i just want to highlight so remember uh aafc not to confuse anybody on the podcast today but uh they have an oat acreage increase of 27 percent which still if that were to happen and it's not but if that were to happen um you, you still have a very comfortable acreage number it's uh i think i talked about a couple weeks ago it's not burdensome at all uh, but fcc has come in with a gain of like it looks to me like one percent or two percent on oats which falls in line a lot closer to what farmers have been telling me uh i'm not seeing those big oat growers come in and and add in a bunch of acres now i heard there were some strong oat prices in northeast saskatchewan so the acres will climb in that region but in alberta you know if you're an oat buyer listening into this um you're not doing a great job of buying acres if you want to buy acres you're not doing it all right um and in manitoba I'm not seeing a whole bunch of excitement there either, okay? So maybe a bit in northeast Saskatchewan, which is a big oat-growing area and a super important one. But oat acres, I think they'll be up more than that 1% or 2%, but not not a whole bunch. So that was, that was interesting uh, to me. Uh, I also see here that some of the discrepancies, FCC's got Durham wheat down just ever so slightly where AAFC has an increase of 3 or 4%. Uh, dry peas, uh, FCC just sees another 1% or 2% increase there, whereas AAFC has a 5 or 6% increase. Now, we know that maple peas and green pea acres will climb as much as they can, so that is going higher. But yellow peas, for many, um, you still need to see some price gains, uh, from what I can tell. Uh, canola is a fun one between the two, because FCC has canola acres climbing a couple percent, and AAFC has them on the decline by about 3% or a couple percent, I should say. So they're all, they're going in the different directions. Now you're going to say, Ryan, 2% either way, who cares? And I 100% agree with you. Who cares? Not a market mover. A barley, FCC's got a climb in acreage of a couple percent, whereas uh, AAFC has a decline of about 5 And I think barley is an interesting one because... Uh, like the malt price to me today, it doesn't bring a bunch of new players in um, to the malt market, but the malt growers sit there and say, okay, yeah, we'll do it um, at that price. Uh, but for feed barley, uh, I'll be curious here to see how this plays out because I, I could see uh, acres holding a little bit neutral uh, if you have uh, and want to spend a little less money uh, planting your crop here in 2024. So we'll see. The market, though, continues to slide. So, uh, again, we'll see how it looks. So that was interesting from FCC, those acreage projections. And uh, you'll get all sorts of projections yet, folks. So take them with a grain of salt is all I have to say. Uh, so next article that caught my attention was uh, Trump uh, for president. Now, I, I actually don't have the article in front of me, so I'm not going to read it uh, word for word. But uh, I do... Uh, I do read a bunch of stuff and follow a bunch of sources. And if Donald Trump, and I'm not here to talk politics, but if Donald Trump is elected president in November, I believe, I thought it was February, but November, uh, he is on record already talking about tariffs 
against uh, Chinese goods, okay? Which is what he did last time, right? And the market, the soybean market, would reference 2018. And uh, 2018, I'm just going to pull the chart up. I had it up here a little while ago. But uh, it was a tough year of market for marketing soybeans because China, they put in their own tariffs against soybeans, U.S. soybeans, right? So in 2018, in March of 2018, uh, soybeans peak at 1067. And then we make our low in the summer at 806. Okay, so we go from 1067 to 806. That's uh, what 250 a bushel, something like that. Uh, if Trump is elected president, the tariffs are expected. This is bearish towards soybeans and the oilseed market, that complex. To me, it's nuts to sit here and worry about that. But, uh, you know, from the early indication signs point that Trump's got a good shot here. And it's just something we got to keep an eye on because it can be a market mover. It's the only reason I bring it up, folks. Would I make a decision based on this article today? No, but I would keep a close eye on this heading into the fall. Uh, next article, Louis Dreyfus building a pea protein plant in Yorkton, Saskatchewan, also doubling up their crush capacity in that same area. So just great to see uh, continued investment into the space. Obviously, alternative protein is, is a big uh, uh theme right now as well but doubling that crush capacity is is great as well so that investment into that yorkton area is what i'd like to highlight there and uh and then lastly again i i apologize i don't have the articles to read word for word here but there's been a drought committee that's been created for alberta and you may have seen this in the headlines uh very much the government is anticipating drought conditions here in 2024 and uh, putting resources and, and getting people together to help navigate uh, those times. And, uh, you know, when, when we sit here and look at it, again, I can find a long-range forecast that brings in uh, heavy uh, moisture events for late winter and, and spring moisture as well. Uh, but uh, these are headlines that we, gotta, that we need to pay attention to. And uh, they could have a big impact on markets here in the spring. So it just I wanted to highlight that as well because it's it's a bit of an extreme action. It's wise though if we do have a drought to have these people in place. Um, so I just wanted to highlight it for that reason. All right, uh, that's it for news here. Uh, now let's uh, let's go. So crop market prices. I've talked about a bunch of them already. Um, Let's see here. Well, I, I do want to just shed, I know I talk a lot of canola folks, but uh, we did break below 600. I, I do want to highlight that. Uh, we did trade as low as 577 here earlier this week. We are on the rebound as of recording, uh, flirting with 600 again. Uh, we need to close above 600 here to, to at least make me feel better for a couple of days. Uh, we are trending lower. Uh, I'd say you've got some resistance up ahead at 618 or 620. Just something to keep in mind there as well. Um, as for crop prices going around the horn, I guess for old crop here, uh, you know, when I look at uh, yellow peas, we did see a little bit of a recovery. Again, I know I talked about this a little bit the last couple of weeks, but uh, 13, 
13 picked up on farm for old crop yellow peas. That's back in the game. Again, encourage you to take advantage of that. Uh, new crop, again, still holding between 9 and 10 for the most part. Uh, old crop greens, I know they'll be quoted here at 18 or or uh, somewhere around there, but we did see as high as 1950 trade. So again, you got to do your homework out there. Uh, oats, I don't really have anything to talk about for oat prices for updates. Uh, just stay fairly patient is it would be my recommendation uh let's switch gears here to lentils uh we've got uh it's kind of holding the same new crop has climbed a little bit here it looks like 57 cents for uh large greens and uh if we go over to mediums they've traded at 52 uh, sorry 72 cents canadian uh, that's old crop here as well. New crop 52 to 54. So those prices are certainly holding. In fact, maybe even climbing uh, just ever so slightly. Um, yeah, I wanted to talk about wheat here real quick for crop pricing. I So we are trending lower in wheat, which is a kind of a unnecessary comment because we're trending lower in everything. But part of eating your veggies here is to price wheat because if you take the wheat chart, put it up over a year, six months, whatever you want to do, we are in a downtrend ever so slightly. And what is keeping your wheat prices afloat? And even, I know they're down from the highs from a few weeks ago, but demand is strong. Uh, export demand, uh, 6%, 8% above uh, average pace, maybe even a historical high here. We'll see. <clears throat> Pardon me. We'll see. So that's good. That's holding your price up. A lower Canadian dollar is also helping. But the futures are not doing you any favors right now. So make sure you have those targets in. Seeing targets trigger above posted bids. So if your bid, I saw the other day we had a bid of new crop wheat. I should actually look up the exact example here real quick on the fly. But we threw in a target at $9 and the quote that we received, of course, I'm not going to be able to find it here under pressure, uh, but it was, uh, yeah, here, here we go. It was like eight, it was 860. Okay. It was 860. We threw in the target at nine and it triggered. It didn't trigger the same day. It triggered next day. We had a small spike in prices and it triggered. So uh, again, folks, I'm a big uh, believer in pricing wheat. Take advantage of the demand and some targets 25, 30, 40 cents above the market. Get those triggered and filled. Uh, okay, what else do we have for prices here? I think that's, yeah, I think that's good uh, for now. Um, yeah, we'll try. I'll try to work harder on that next week. Uh, okay, uh, let's get to eating our veggies now. And uh, you got to eat your veggies because it is the right thing to do. Uh just realizing though that that's my slogan i'm kind of using but you never know seek the advice of a professional because this could be the wrong thing to do as well eating your veggies is the right thing but uh, this this advice might not necessarily be bang on at all times uh, so last week we talked about making sure that your fertilizer needs were secured uh and then we talked about uh buying that first trash of fuel uh, might as well throw a French word in there, but making that first fuel purchase. I didn't know, folks, that some facility was going to 
have a disruption and that diesel prices would climb 10 cents a liter between recording and sending this out. So we went from like a dollar two to a dollar 12. I can't predict those things. There is a, a bit of a, a time warp here by the time you record it and get it out. So I do apologize for that, but things happen from time to time. Uh, all right, so let's go to eating our veggies. Uh, number one, if you're a malt barley grower, sell some malt. I know this sucks to hear. You don't want to hear this, but it's a $1.50 premium over feed values in many areas with the exception of Southern Alberta. You guys will shake your head at me saying, what are you, what are you, what are you drinking today, Ryan? But um, for many in Saskatchewan uh, and into Northern Alberta, you're seeing your feed values in the fives you know, low fives, even the fours, high fours for some of you, and malt of a buck fifty above that. So if you're in those areas, you're going to price some malt barley. So get after that. Uh, secure your spring wheat. Sell some old crop. Sell some new crop. Honestly, the the main point here is to dust off your 2024 crop marketing plan and get after it, folks. You don't have to light the world on fire by selling everything. But go and sell a little bit of malt, a little bit of peas, a little bit of wheat. Start building that marketing plan. Don't sit here and just leave it to chance, okay? Uh, number three is a carryover from last week. Secure the bag, folks. Sell those green peas and green lentils. I cannot stress this enough. We know acres are going to climb. We know production is set to climb in the U.S. and in Canada. Get after it. Secure the bag. Uh, two last ones uh, on the crop input side. Uh, generic chem prices... If you want to talk about generic glyphosate or glufosinate, I know there's some articles out there in the Western producer and so on and so forth, but they seem quite low. So take a look at uh, those. If you need those products, take a look at them. Uh, could be worth securing those savings. And then uh, lastly, I'd like you to learn a new strategy for your farm on, on crop marketing. So if you've never done a call before or put or something like that, Phone up your grain buyer or phone a friend or whatever you want to do. Um, look this up. But uh, you, you might surprise yourself uh, by learning a new strategy. You want to learn it now in February so you can execute on it in May. Okay? That's what we want to do here. So that's our eating the veggies segment for this week. Uh, now we're going to turn it over here. I've rambled long enough. Thanks for hanging in there. Ryan with Cows in Control. Uh, he's got some great uh, content here coming up for us. So I'll turn it over uh, to Ryan and uh, let him uh, lead us. All right, folks, we have our return guests coming back to the What the Futures podcast. I've got Ryan Coppithorn joining me here once again. Ryan, uh, you joined me back in, uh, I think it was November, uh, when the show first got going. And uh, I got a lot of positive feedback. A lot of people responding saying, get that guy back on the show at some point, very near future. So welcome back to the show, Ryan. How's it going? Good. Well, thank you. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, you bet. I uh, I certainly appreciate your perspective. I, I'm not an expert in anything, uh, so that's why I bring in so many guests. Um, but you're, uh, you're the guy, man. You are the guy when it comes to cattle. And I have to tell you, I, so I went the other day beautiful weather this winter right and uh my wife said we're making steak tonight and i said awesome that's perfect uh usually we buy uh, a half or a quarter or something like that this freezer is usually fairly well stocked have lots of friends and uh 
and uh, you know neighbors that that have cattle so it's it's an easy thing to accomplish well i go to the freezer i don't have any steak and i've already made the promise to the wife that we're having steak later that day so (laughs) had to go into town i live 20 minutes outside of town i went to costco uh, which usually has some pretty good cuts and there wasn't a lot of inventory to choose from in the store I don't know if it was time of day or, or what. And, uh, you know, I, I had a great steak, but I paid for it as well. It, it was the prices were certainly, uh, certainly a little bit on the higher end there. So anyways, uh, are, are things going good for cattle guys out there? What are you seeing in general comments? Yeah, I mean, the, as far as cattle prices, things are great. Um, and I think they're looking looking great. You know, we got a good couple of years ahead of us, I think, but... Um, this drought is just the wild card that nobody can figure out. And it doesn't, you know, there's a lot of people are still questioning whether we're out of it, including myself. So, you know, drought is going to be the wild card, but, but the, the, as far as cycles and cattle markets and stuff, we're in a good cycle here. So uh, I think, I think ranchers can make some money here. Awesome. Did you see in the news this week, they were talking about, they created this like committee to help, I don't know, I should read the article, but to navigate the looming or the drought that they feel is continuing on. Did you see that in the Alberta, I think it's Alberta government or something, created some type of committee for this. I should be more specific, but they are concerned about drought, drought, that's for sure. That's the impression I got. Yeah, I think think we should be. You know, it's definitely a real problem for us in the cattle business in terms of grass and water and, and forage supplies we're getting tight you know it's there's not much out there yeah yeah i i can find you know a a weather person or two with a long-range forecast that shows moisture so uh, i can find those that show drought as well but i'm just i just lean towards the guy showing moisture that's what i'm i'm going with right now so it makes me feel better yeah that's Um, a good way to be yeah What's uh, is there anything that's kind of catching your attention that you want to cover off first here uh, today? Anything that's got a, a sparkle in your eye that you want to review? Well, I think we were, um, you know, one of the things that really sort of hit the radar the last week was that that USDA inventory report. Um, it made headlines with saying that that the cattle herd in the U.S. is down to levels not seen since 1951, and so that's wow. a pretty splashy headline for for the cattle industry showing that that things are getting tight um i think there's ways to sort of balance that out a little bit like like we have to remember there's still a half a million head of cattle backlog down there in feedlots okay and the last cattle on feed report you know the cattle on feed were two percent higher than last year so there's still lots of cattle in the system that have to be worked through and packers are really slowing down at this point, like they've, they're not making much money. So what they're doing is it's kind of like if somebody at the bottom of the escalator just decides to stop and not get off and all of a sudden everything piles up behind them. That's kind of what, what the Packers are doing by slowing down their kills. But uh, long-term it's a, it's a bullish thing, but it actually has me more concerned, not so much about the cattle and the beef. I'm, I'm more concerned about producers. You know, I've been looking at the number of producers out there and, and our, our producers in Canada, like cattle, we used to have 120,000 cattle producers in 2000, and now we're down to like 60,000. And wow. 
those 60,000 producers are making $24 billion worth of addition to the Canada's GDP. That's $400,000 per producer being added to GDP. And we're losing producers. Like we've basically got cut in half in 20 years or something. So yeah. I think if the government wants to worry about stuff, they should be worrying about that. And rather than methane and all the other things they worry about, if they, they should really start focusing on, keep, you know, we're losing our, our ranch population, rancher pop population. Yeah. I had a conversation with somebody about this actually the other day. And obviously the cost of entry is, is significant. It's not easy to, to enter, but you know, you look at, at who's coming in and building a herd or, or the young people involved and it's not that it's far and few everywhere, but you have to look around a little bit cause it, it's hard work. It's not easy work and um, yeah. we're losing them and not gaining the, the entry is just not, not there. So uh, I know last time we chatted a little bit about, I think there was a ATB, is it an ATB uh, incentive um, on the a loan? Breeder loan. Yeah. 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 But anyways, there, there's going to need to be a lot more done uh, for sure. Um, okay. So 1951, that's, that's substantial. Uh, very, very interesting. Um, I had a question come in over uh, over Twitter from Tyler Wilson. He farms, I believe, southwest Saskatchewan. Uh, he's got a, a chart here, and he says, is there any experts out there that want to tell me what happens now that March feeders has filled this gap? Should I be booking calves into next week's sale, or should I still be good to keep until March or April? You want to take a stab at that one? Yeah, I think I think I can take a stab. Like the the market definitely, it had a big sell off last fall, so mm -hmm. we sort of peaked in September, and then the market dropped into into de December, and since then, I'm talking the futures market mostly right now, but the futures market has basically re rebounded or or bounced off those lows. Um, you know, it's regained half or sixty percent of what it lost last fall. Yep. And so that that's the gap he's talking about. As it goes up, it's filling these sort of spots in the chart that, that had left gaps along the way. Um, but the thing in Canada is that our, our prices didn't fall as far as the U.S. futures prices did in Canada. And they also didn't bounce as much. So the U.S. futures and, and cattle prices have, have rebounded nicely. Our, our cattle are still 20 to 25 cents cheaper than U.S. cattle right now. So I think we've got a little bit of a game of catch up to play. Mm -hmm. um, part of the reason I think is drought in Canada. And I also think it's because our Packers have kind of held back kill a little bit, but, but at the end of the day, our, our, our feeder prices are 20 to 25 cents too cheap relative to us. And so I think there's, I think there's a little upside there. Um, that being said, I do see a little chop and slop in the markets until we get these um, all these finished cattle through the system that are kind of plugging up the works in, mm -hmm. in us and Canada. And that could take to March, April type thing. Okay. I'm very bullish beyond April. I, I just think it's extremely bullish beyond there unless something, you know, black swan comes along or something that to derail yeah. this thing, it, it should be very bullish. So I, I don't think I'd be in a big hurry. A lot of the, the forward projections are looking good. The futures markets projecting really good prices especially out to the fall. Um, we're talking like like 360 for an eight weight and four and a quarter for a five weight. So 
Um, these are really, really good prices if people can hang on. Nice. It's kind of a, a welcome uh, sign a little bit because I like I look at a lot of charts, a lot of, uh, you know, um, canola, wheat, corn, soybean charts. Those are looking a little bit nasty, trending lower. The cattle charts, when I took a peek here before starting to record, they actually look not too bad. They kind of they look good. So you know, trending the right way. So, yeah. I consider. I think it's the only game in town. Like, I think, I think there's a bu a bunch of disgruntled grain farmers that are that are just you know really angry at the prices that are just buying cattle futures because they're tired of grain futures. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah. it's like it's the only game in town right now. And because yeah. I I've been expecting this cattle market to actually kind of pull back a little bit. It's it's had a nice little run since December. Yeah. Um, but it's been strong. It's been holding yeah. in there pretty good. So. Um, I got a, another question here from Scott and he was asking about cycles. Uh, do you, uh, when grain prices are poor, are cattle prices strong? Is that something that you can kind of bank on when it happens or how do those cycles work between the two, the cattle price and the grain price? Yeah. I mean, that's a yes and no question because short term when grain prices drop, it improves our cost of gains. And so, cattle buyers, feedlots and such will, will be able to bid up more for cattle because they know that their feed costs are cheaper. So they kind of go opposite each other, mm -hmm. but longer term, they actually track each other because as soon as grain gets cheap, it makes it cheaper for chickens and chick cheaper for hogs and it makes it cheaper for cattle feeding. And you end up getting more and more supply when the grain gets cheap. So, you know, you know, my father always used to say cheap grain, cheap cattle. And, mm -hmm. That's that's the long term um, outcome usually. So and it works in the opposite too. And when grains get expensive, cattle get expensive. They both kind of track together. And you can see that in the '70s and even the early 2000s, where they they both went up together to to new levels. So, okay. but short term, it does have a have a sort of a bullish impact on cattle. All right, appreciate that. Um, one more for you here. I noticed that. Uh, and I don't know if bull sales, if when they normally start, but it seems like it picks up uh, traction here in February. Um, any thoughts on what the price of a bull would look like compared to history? Is it up a whole bunch, a little bit? What? Yeah, I'm not. I'm from not familiar with the process a whole bunch. So what? What do you see on bull prices? Well, bull prices. Yeah, this is the this is kind of the bull selling season now from now till April. Um, primarily and and uh, you know we're seeing pretty good pretty good prices you know seven to eight thousand averages and that type of thing um, but bull the bull market is kind of like the bread market or the feed market it's a very personalized or subjective thing kind of it's a it, it's really hard to put your finger on it's not like it has a futures market that it's based off of it's it's really right. just kind of buyer preference and so if people want to bid bull prices up to 10,000 plus they could if we get a hot market here. Um, so I, you know, right now I think we're about, so it'll be between five and 8,000 on average, I would think. And, um, you know, if it, if it starts to heat up, I think it could get over 10,000 per bull. Nice. I, I, uh, what I did notice is that every operation, they, there's like a whole presentation around it and a whole package you know come out this is the date this is the the pictures the links like it's a very uh um 
personal experience or it seems to be a very personal experience so that's pretty cool am i, I is that yeah. right yeah. or <laughs> yeah it's like it's like branding time it's like a social event you know to get yeah. up to these wholesales and visit with people and and yeah it is a, it, it's a very kind of a special gathering for people to to, to visit and buy some bowls and yeah. yeah do you get out to a few of them then to the bull well, sales or I try to. I'm more of a desk jockey now than a cattle yeah. producer, but it's yeah, but yeah. It's it's nice when you get out to those sales to visit with people for sure. Nice, cool. Um, all right. I know you also pay attention to the feed greens market a, a little bit. Anything there stand out for you? Barley prices, corn prices, anything like that? I I am not an expert on this, but I I'm wondering. This period really reminds me of 2005 to 2008 when ethanol was just about ready to come out. Yep. And we had lots and lots and lots of grain around. And yet when you looked at the projections for how much ethanol was going to use, it was like, there's, it's impossible. There's no way that's going to happen. And then of course, in 2008, you know, grain went from like three bucks, you know, corn went from three bucks to eight or whatever it was. Yeah. I am wondering if that's going to happen with these renewable fuels. There's sure a lot of plants projected to come online, but like yep. I said, I'm not an expert. I throw that out to the grain guys. Maybe, maybe some of the people you talk to can answer that question for me. But if there's yep. a bullish story, it's got to be that because the supply and demand fundamentals are pretty awful. Otherwise, you know, there's a lot of grain out there. Yeah. It, it's, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a bit of a tough winter yet and but the future you know it, it i think it can look bright in many different areas we just uh like like normal right mark go up forever they don't go down forever but uh it'll be interesting here when we get these plants up and running and what that does for demand so the yeah. market seems to be shifting um you know instead of exporting our canola seed we are going to crush our canola seed and export more oil and and meal and things like that so it's evolving uh i think so yeah okay cool ryan anything else you want to add uh for today i know we covered a lot already but anything else no no i just uh, appreciate what you're doing with this podcast and and no it's looking good for ranchers so i hope they they take advantage of it i got a lot of people that are skeptics they don't believe that you know once prices get high they get very nervous and rightfully so but yeah i you know as far as supply fundamentals this thing looks pretty good for a couple of years so you know awesome. ride the bull awesome and how can people get a hold of you uh cowsincontrol.com okay is usually the, the easiest way to, I, if you get on my website you can sign up for my newsletter on there i got a free newsletter so um otherwise you can you know contact me by by phone or cell phone on the website there too so perfect fantastic thanks so much ryan for joining us once again look forward to having you here uh you know shortly in the next month or so we'll get you back on and uh we'll keep seeing if we can uh, uh ride this momentum higher so uh, thanks for joining us i hope you have a great rest of your week yeah you bet thanks ryan all right that was uh, of course ryan Coppethorn with cows in control uh, he always does a great job when he joins the show. If you want more information, head to cowsincontrol.com. That's his website. He is the cattle expert on the What the Future show, and uh, he would love to hear from you. Uh, next up here, you can see in the shot, I've got a guest uh, to help us wrap up the show. 
Uh, I've got some trick questions for him at the very end. So just hang on for a few more minutes, folks. But uh, joining me here, I've got John Kaufman from Prairie West Farms. It's kind of funny because we were originally supposed to talk about a couple of trucks that John had for sale, a couple of Pete's. Uh, but of course, uh, by the time that we got this lined up, you know, it took a couple hours to get organized to record, they sold. So, John, just let's talk about the history of the Pete's here. Like, what, what happened? Like, what's so special about these trucks? Why do they go so fast? Uh, we got a line on four, well, actually six in the end, pardon me, 2023 and 24 Peterbilt's uh, that were all a hundred thousand, fifty thousand, thirty thousand, down to nine thousand kilometer units. Um, very clean, very well specced, and beautiful trucks. And uh, yeah, I, yesterday at two fifty nine p.m., I thought I'd just throw them on Twitter quick before I left for the day for some basketball. And yeah. by the time I got back uh, out of the gym, I had some fairly major interest on them, and kind of made a a soft deal overnight. And this morning reconfirmed with uh, the customer and it sounds like he's going to take all of them. So nice. Just nice. that easy. New, <laughs> new fleet of trucks showing up. Perfect. Well, that uh, they look great, man. When I saw the pictures, they, they look fantastic. So I know I was excited about them as well. And I don't need a truck. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. All you right. You never know what you could put to use if you have it sitting in your driveway. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to, I'm going to Lethbridge next week. I was going to volunteer to drive one down because I, I know they're heading towards that direction. Um, but apparently I need a special license or something to drive that. So I better um, not. <laughs> minor detail. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So these trucks have come and gone quickly. Uh, what else you got, man, in, in inventory? Do you got anything else uh, kicking around the farm that you want to sell or anything on the lot over there? Uh, truck wise, we've got nothing at the moment, but we do have fairly likely some more pretty clean units and low kilometer units coming in, in the next three weeks to a month. I want to say, uh, okay. just depends on how got a bit of a restructuring thing going on. So not sure with the timeline exactly, but, um, we're definitely going to have more. We have sold probably close to 200 trucks, I would say for this, um, fleet manager that we deal with out of BC. So kind of stuff coming and going all the time. Um, on the trailer side, we've got some tankers, uh, a couple spray trailer options. I've got a dry van and I've got a couple sets of super bees available as well at the moment. And there might be some more of those uh, grain trailers coming in, in the near future here as well. So. Okay, cool. If, uh, if people want to see your inventory or, or stay in tune with what you got coming in, what is the best way uh, for them to do that? Uh, for current inventory, we have almost everything listed on our website at the moment. I was just having some trouble loading some pictures here this morning, so the, the grain trailers aren't up picture-wise yet. But pioneertruckandtrailer.com is the, the website. That's going to get you the most uh, information on the current inventory. And then if you're looking for just to keep tabs on new stuff coming in, uh, probably my Twitter handle, just John Kaufman. I think it's at Moline green, um, is the best way to kind of keep tabs on that. That would seem to be a pretty, pretty good way to get some traction on these last trucks. Anyways, yesterday we had over 9,000 views in about 11 hours. So it was a popular yep. set of equipment. 
Uh, all right, folks, you heard it there. Go check out John's uh, Twitter. Um, and of course, you can take a peek at what you missed out on on those uh, beautiful peats because I'm sure that post is still up there as well. So take a look at the pictures. Beautiful trucks there. Uh, John, before I let you go, uh, I know you're a little bit of a NFL fan. Um, I have to come get there that trophy, go. by the way, because that, that trophy belongs to me now for our fantasy That's football. That's right, league. yeah. Um, okay, so just a, a couple of easy props. We'll do a couple of props here. Um, well, I got you. We can record this. They're locked in stone. Uh, but who who are you rooting for um, between Kansas City and San Francisco? Who's going to win the big game? Ah, boy. I would love to say the refs because I really don't like either of those teams. But as a Dallas Cowboys fan, I really can't cheer for the refs either. So I'm going to go with the least hated uh, for me and my family. And it's probably going to be the 49ers, despite as a Cowboys fan, that might come off as strange, but I have three daughters and a wife who all think Brock Purdy's a pretty neat guy, despite being staunch Cowboys fans as well. So I think we're going to go with that. Purdy's a Purdy guy is what you're saying? Yeah, (laughs) I hear enough about it. And we've all had enough of Patrick Mahomes, uh, the quarterback series on Netflix. He almost had a suede into being a supporter, but I, yeah, I just can't root for the guy anymore. So I, I've only watched episode one and he marries his high school sweetheart. So that's I'll just end it there. I'm gonna I'm gonna go for Kansas City, keep the legacy going. I'll take Kansas City <laughs> on this one. I've not watched Sounds further good. episodes. All right. Uh <laughs> next one. What color is the Gatorade gonna be? Ooh. Mm, I guess last, last year uh, I think they said it was purple. I would say why wouldn't you go red? We got red all around both teams. So, okay, I'm gonna go blue. Uh, just craving a blue Gatorade anyway at the moment. So it is I'm one of the best. Blue. blue and white are the top uh, top flavors in our household. I've got a cold, so I gotta hydrate. I gotta get my fluids <laughs> up. Uh, okay, and then will if Kansas City wins, will Travis Kelsey propose to Taylor Swift on the field? With the Super Bowl ring as the engagement ring, is that part of the deal? Or? I, I, I think so, yeah. <laughs> ah, boy, I don't know. That's a tough one. I'm going to say they love the PR. I'm going to say yes. I think he goes for it. <laughs> There's going to be <laughs> next week, there'll be an entire Netflix series that gets released and it'll be about the whole journey and yeah, yeah, man. it's pre-recorded. Yeah. It's already yeah. done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a, I'm with it's you, a man. fix, just like the rest of the NFL, right? It's scripted. <laughs> yeah, I'm going with a yes on that one too. So, uh, yeah. all right, you guys watching the big game this weekend? You guys gonna fire up the barbecue there? Oh yeah, the smoker will be going. Uh, that's our football tradition. Sad it's coming to a close here, but good thing the Oilers are going to go on a deep run. We'll be still barbecuing and smoking all the way into June. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having some fun here at the end. And folks, uh, if you want to see some nice, clean trucks, head, o- head over to John's uh, Twitter and website, and uh, he'll get you hooked up. Um, lastly here, folks, just wrapping up the episode, I'm just going to check my show notes real quick. Uh, I'm going to be on location next week in Lethbridge, Alberta, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday at the Farming Smarter Conference, I believe. 
Uh, if you're going to be there as well, hit me up on social media. I'd love to connect. Uh, I'll try to get our weather guy um, on for next week from BAM WX. And this morning, uh, the, we're recording on Wednesday. This morning, I was on the phone with Mike Lee. Uh, he lives somewhere in the UK, but he's our Russian-Ukraine agronomist uh, uh, guy, and he's going to start joining the show on a regular basis as well. So lots of exciting things coming up here at What the Futures podcast. So uh, for John and myself, I'm just going to say that we're out. <laughs>